Hey, what's good everybody, LD here. We have our final Stories Among Us speaker, John Dorfeld, and Pastor Keon will introduce him, and you guys are in for a treat. If you happen to miss our in-person service or live stream last Sunday, enjoy this great Stories Among Us story. Stories Among Us series. I've been to this has been this has been good. I think we're going to continue to do uh, Stories Among Us in the future. Um, uh, it's just been it's just been um, just a very um, uh, uplifting, um, relatable uh, sermon series. And um, one of the things that we've told the people who uh, who've shared their stories is that we don't. We don't necessarily want you to, to, to feel like you need to wow people. You know, within the Christian faith, you know, there's always this like urge to like, hey, we gotta tell them the, the deepest, darkest story so that they can all come to Christ. And that's not actually that's not actually always helpful. It's not always helpful for the person who's telling the story. Um, and it's not always helpful for those who are listening, um, because then they feel that they have to have some kind of crazy story where God is, is with us in the mundane and the ordinary. Um, and so with that being said, whatever people feel led to share in their story, that is, is what we want them to do. So if it is a story that is um, captivating, um, that's great. God can use that. Um, um, if it's a story that's in the mundane, that's great. God can use that. Um, but be sure, this is even for us, just be sure that you're ready to tell your story. Be, be sure you know the consequences of telling your story to what, 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 what people may do, what people may, um, you know what I mean? Uh, there's just, there's just uh, wisdom in, in how we tell our stories. So with that being said, I'm excited um, to introduce John Dorfman. So John, he's been um, on the leadership team from the beginning, and a lot of what you see in this building, in the Peace House, John has been uh, the person over it. He's been kind of putting things all together. Uh, he's just been uh, a jack of all trades as well, uh, and master of all of them as well. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm excited to hear um, from John. Me and John has been friends since 2018. Um, we met basically, I mean, well, we met because he was our realtor, and I always joke once once we gave him the money, all of that was out of the way. Now we can be friends. We, we, we were friends before that as well, but no. So like we met and um, and we really connected with CCDA, and we actually went to Chicago. Uh, Stephanie, Amy, John, and some other friends. We went to Chicago, um, and so uh, John and Amy have always been supporting uh, us. Uh, both spiritually and just uh, cheerleading and all of those things. And so when we planted this church, we went to John and Amy. We're like, we we need your help. And so um, I'm excited to hear from John. So John, um, yeah, John's been in the leadership team uh, in the finance team. John is actively engaged in many activities of uh, of the church and also serves on the building and grounds team. He's married to Amy for the last 13 years and has lived in Cedar Rapids for the most of his life. John works as a, a real estate agent for Coldwell and Banker uh, and is also a licensed contractor. John is passionate about Wellington Heights neighborhood. He, he's 
John's been passionate about Wellington Heights before before me and Stephanie ever even was here. Um, and he seeks to be a part of God's shalom for the neighborhood through the people and organizations uh, in the community. John volunteers at uh, Hope Community Development. Um, ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's right, John. That's yeah, that's right. Hype me up. And um, at Hope, Hope CDA, they work on dilapidated homes in the neighborhood. He serves also at uh, uh, House of Hope Board of Directors, which seeks to provide a place of peace and therapy to the area in, in, in Cedar Rapids. Um, he also um, is an area, he's also in the Cedar Rapids Area Association of Realtors, Public Relations Committee, and its, uh, its task force for diversity, equity, and inclusion within its uh, membership in the community it serves. So um, I'm excited. Uh, let's give a, a round of applause for It's just funny with bios, you you share like the best of what you got going on. It's not like a, a synopsis of everything that's all the messy stuff either. It's just more, this is the best of, of who I am and, and all that. But but really, um, I I plan to get a little vulnerable today and just, just kind of share what God has done and his, his story in my life and the journey that has brought me here today. And so yeah, as... Keon was saying, my name is uh, it's Jonathan Arthur Dorfeld, and I'm named after my late grandpa, Arthur John, and many people know me as Jonathan or John. A lot of people around here know me as John, um, but people in my family also call me Johnny, and one of my favorites is from my niece, Jojo. She calls me Uncle Johnny, which uh, I love that. But uh, so today, um, like I said, I'm, I want to share about how God has led me here and changed me into the person I am today. And when reflecting over my life's journey, I've noticed a couple things. One, God's amazing grace, which, how amazing that <laughs> amazing grace was sung today. Um, but then also, too, God giving me the ability to see. And if I had to make a graph of my, of my life, of the ups and downs, it would be a, quite a, a ping pong up and down um, and I'm sure a lot of you can relate with that. You know, it's, life is full of ups and downs. But what I have seen is that through it all, you could almost put a line through the middle of what's consistent, and that's God's love and grace, because that's always there, never changing. And so, it, my in my journey of um, I had a faith growing up that really helped develop a sort of. Uh, moral compass in a way, and there was a desire to do good for others and, and treat others well and kindly and um, have, have a, a good relationship with people in the world. But what I lacked was a real relationship with Jesus. And so this, this moral compass did serve me well, though, it, in um, fighting off a lot of the temptations that were thrown my way in, in uh, high school and um, really um, did, did pretty well through high school and went to went to college, but on that that first day of college, um, 
in one of my classes, the professor um, said that there's no God and that if anybody wanted to try to argue that with him, he would prove them wrong and make a fool of them. And as an impressionable college student, I was like, whoa, okay. And then I'm in a class with one of my few friends that I was in school with, and he's like, I like this guy, he's right. And, and so just instantly, I'm like starting to question what, I, what I've been believing, and like almost there's like that crack in that compass that has been guiding me. And, and so in that, it seemed like I, was, I became more open to things that I was turning away from and um, became less concerned about who I was to other people. And one of the things that really kind of opened the door was um, I started experimenting with uh, drugs and, there, and alcohol as well. But alcohol was a moderate issue in high school, but then it just became a bigger issue. And once I started to uh, mess around with, with weed, it became something I really liked and it became a huge part of my life. Um, and so after about a year and a half of usage, it just continually got worse and worse and I got in trouble with the law a few times. And in doing, and that was kind of a wake up call, getting arrested. And I had a, a time of cold turkey, but then after about two months, I came back home and was uh, back with some friends. And once I passed a drug test for a summer job, I came right back into it and hit harder than ever. And there was, and in that, just getting worse and worse and worse, I, there, was a, there was a point that I can remember when I was, every year we always went, met with my dad and my brothers for a Father's Day. And we would go play golf, but I was too messed up the night before that I couldn't make it. And so when I was, up and enough able to talk to my dad, we kind of got into it and he said some things to me that stuck of, I, I just, I see that you're going down a horrible path and I just, I don't think you're gonna make it through college. And I just, I, I, I just don't think, I, I just see, see you throwing your life away. And so I didn't want to hear that at that time and him and I kind of got into it and I said, okay, then we're done. And it kind of severed our relationship at that time. And in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna show him wrong. And basically locked off that relationship. And so this was about the beginning year of my, my college year of, uh, junior year of college. And crazy thing was, I didn't go to my parents for anything and didn't really have any money, but I did have a car. And I lived out of that car for about two and a half months, sleeping on various couches and then uh, showering in the, the union. And just basically homeless, working a job, and getting by. And I didn't really care. I mean, I, all I cared about was, was getting high and getting by. And it just, uh, it just, it was kind of crazy how my personality changed so much of having that younger, caring about others and wanting to do the right thing to just, it was all about me. And I didn't care who I hurt in the process as long as I got what I want. And so um, 
in that year of coming back, leaving out of my car, I was uh, taking a class called Religions of the World. And in that process, I kind of got my, my faith sparked a little bit. And I started to see the, uh, the relations of Christianity, Islam, and um, Judaism. And just kind of started to take pieces of that, informing my own faith. Um, and so, so in that, like, in the midst of using and studying, um, it was an interesting time that even where I was at, God was still trying to reach me. And so I was, I, I was trying to live out some of the things I was reading and um, where I was applying what I learned in scripture about how Jesus treated people. And in that, um, I, I asked God to help me see what he saw, or help him see what he sees in other people. And so by treating others with love and kindness, I got a real response. And it was, it, I couldn't believe it. Like, it was like, holy cow, I've been only caring about myself, and here I am following what Jesus is teaching, and it's making a real impact. And the thing was, because I was in this midst of using, I got so obsessed with it that it it kind of took over. But it did change me for the better. But so something else I pulled from from my newfound beliefs was um, I found something fascinating in fasting. And fasting, you know, you abstain from eating or drinking uh, to in a way of worship to God. And so what I would do was I would smoke and then not eat or drink. And so weed, it, it really dehydrates you, um, it stimulates your brain, but you need that food and drink after, after using. And so by doing this type of fasting, it really uh, affected my brain. And it, it wasn't causing visual hallucinations, but it was causing uh, hallucinations in my mind. And so I, would, I was starting to view, view myself as a savior figure. And being so caught up in, in what God was doing in my life and how he was showing me things, I was starting to read scripture and see myself. And in that, I started to preach that to my friends, my family. And it just, it was very erratic and I was very talkative. And you can only imagine what my friends and family thought. Um, of how I would describe myself. But they didn't know what to do. Like, it was just, it was, they, they just, they really thought maybe being in school was the best place for me. And so I was still going to school during this time and thinking this about myself. Um, but so what, uh, another turning point was that um, about two weeks into a new semester, I, um, saw a puff piece on TV that uh, George W. Bush um, of some of the things he was doing in the world because he was getting re-inaugurated and I saw those as direct answers to my personal prayers because I was so important that what George W. Bush was doing I had to go and see him and thank him personally for the work that he's doing and so on a dime I got in my car and started driving to Washington D.C. And no, no plan, no map, 
just got in my car and started driving. I made it to Pennsylvania where my car broke down and I tell you, um, the way, like how this extreme fasting affected me, just talk, just being in public, um, it caused a lot of concern for people because I just would, would say some crazy things, but I also was very thin um, to just sickly thin of, because of how far it went. And so when my car broke down, police were called and the police contacted my mom. And when they found out where I was at, they dropped everything, my mom and my two brothers, and started coming get me. So um, the police asked if I'd be willing to stay and wait for my mom. And so I, I bring all those details in because this is where God met me, where I was at, at, at that hotel. Um, there, there was a young boy there on a mission trip, and him and I uh, ran into each other in the hotel lobby, and we started talking, and we both were just not really connecting, because um, just kind of all over the place. So he went and got one of the chaperones that was with him, and just a, just a guy volunteering to go on a mission trip, and he comes down, his name is Jorge, and he just sat there and listened to me. Listen to my ridiculous uh, theories and, and everything, and after probably about two hours of listening to me, he, God used him to speak to me of just really simple concepts of what I've been believing were just more of um, against the things that I said I was, I was uh, following. Just like, I was telling people that it was okay to lie for the good, and I wasn't honoring my mother and father, and that I was not connected with, with anyone but myself and with other believers. And, and so those were some really good points that stuck, but then he, he grabbed me and he's like, John, God's gonna show you some things in the next few days that if you don't keep your friends close, you're not gonna make it through. And he, he also said that there is a place in where you're at that God wants you to be in worship. And at that time, it was just not really what I wanted to hear, didn't really make too much, but on this crazy journey, God took that desire to, to want weed anymore away from me. And as, as my mom and brothers picked me up and I started to eat and drink more and my mind started to come back, what, has, what was revealed to me was all of the chaos and destruction I had left behind in my relationships and my family, and just things that, and so everyone really turned their back on me because of what I had done. And it was a very dark, lonely time, but I had a few friends that I held on to. Like Jorge said, keep your friends close and you might not make it through. And, and so, um, and one of the things that um, I, I'm grateful for is the support of my family through all that. And my mother wanted me, and father just thought I was on some heavy drugs, so I, I spent some time in the psych ward. And through there, was able to understand that my body could heal itself if it stayed away from that stuff. And just 
eating and drinking regularly. And by the grace of God, by staying away from it, I was able to. And I, in a very short time, I was really, the, the crazy thoughts had gone away. Um, so the other thing that Maurice said was getting connected with the church in, in Cedar Falls. And I was amazingly able to get uh, connected with one right away and made some amazing connections at, uh, in a group of faith and found out how much I love to, to serve. And um, the, the church had a lot of opportunities to do that in the community. And, and so, but the thing was, because, because a lot of them grew to know my story, the story with my story was used a lot as an opportunity to, um, to, to be shared. And in a lot of ways, I was kind of put on a pedestal because of this like story I had of, of how, make, how what God can do for people, and um, and I started to, to believe it, like the pedestal I was put on, and I it was almost like I started to get adult, like I could get away with a double life, and the drinking came back again, and. So here I am, a leader in a, in a church, but it had only been like a year of getting away from the drugs, and I, I just fell right back into it. And so um, this the, the part that um, was really probably the most difficult through it all was I, I had a girlfriend at the time, and we had been together for about a year and a half. It, it seemed like it was going somewhere, but but most likely not. We weren't really connecting on faith. But instead of ending it, um, I ended up cheating on her with somebody in the church. And in doing that, wrecked a lot of relationships in the church, and then also wrecked um, wrecked our relationship, and just really uh, broke her heart. And then the the shame and the guilt that came from from me doing something that I never thought I was ever capable of doing, yet I was this new person in God, and here I am still being this type, being someone that could do something that terrible to somebody else. And that was, working through that was one of the most difficult uh, times of my life because I just the shame and the guilt of Carrying something that you don't think you can forgive yourself for. And even, even knowing what God has done for us, I think that can be one of the toughest, toughest things to do sometimes when you do something. And, and so through all of, all of that, um, I was still trying to reconcile that relationship with, the, the, with my ex-girlfriend um, while studying abroad in Chile. And going through this really dark time, but again, when I look back, as Jorge said, keep your friends closer, you might not make it through. Well, God had already placed someone there that I was beginning a relationship with, and that's Amy, um, who, who is now my wife. But both Amy and Amy was just a, a friend that I started to make who was also from Cedar Rapids, both with the UNI, there for different reasons. Yet here we are connecting at my darkest, one of my darkest times. 
and it's just it's amazing um, to really think about that and so our our friendship uh, grew for for about a year before before we actually started dating and um, since and since I wasn't really connected with the church in Cedar Falls anymore um, going to church with Amy uh, she was a member at St. Mark's and Marion something that I had never been able to grasp or understand was the power and the, the massiveness of God's grace and in my upbringing of um, it being Catholic it there I there just was a disconnect for me I just I don't think I dug enough into understanding the Bible and what God's grace was but through um, through St. Mark's and just how it was described to me there that was a major change in, in my life and my understanding of God and his grace that took that weight off my shoulder of shame that I finally was able to kind of move forward and past that and reconcile some of those relationships and um, and so the, the other great thing that came from um, our involvement at St. Mark's was Amy and I were able to do a lot of work together, and, uh, service work, and we did uh, mission work down in, uh, on the Texas-Mexico border, both know Spanish, and um, that was definitely something that kind of attracted ourselves to each other was just the, um, the, the love for service. And, um, and so, but doing that trip year after year, um, something that God showed us was that our mission work was not necessarily helping. It was hurting those that we sought to serve. And where we were doing work that they very well could have done for themselves, and they were trying to tell us that, that they could do it. But we were just so gung-ho about doing the work that there was just this disconnect. And so us as a, a small group at the church, and we, we just knew that there was something missing. And we, we had read a book called When Helping Hurts that really helped bring some clarity of our frustrations and uh, discomfort with some of the service work that we've been doing, not only farther away, but also locally, that, that it was missing that relational component. And so we got connected actually with uh, Laura Hoy up in uh, Waterloo, which can find out that Keon and Stephanie very well connected with them, which is amazing. Um, but they were able to talk to us about, uh, about the work of CCDA and working within a community. And the things that they were doing in Waterloo were very similar to what this church is trying to do in, in the community, working with the community for the flourishing of all. And so for us to connect, and um, she encouraged us to go to the CCDA conference, and that's when it just all clicked. Like, this is what God is calling us to do. Really opened our eyes to many different, different things of, especially with doing the work of God, does not have to be across the world or across the country join in what God is doing here locally. Like, there is there's just so many things that you can join in on. And, and so that was a, a major awakening um, 
And so like as, as Keon had shared about how we got connected of me being his realtor, uh, it's just amazing how God is working and moving pieces and that you don't even see until it's already happened years down the road. And that's what's kind of amazing about when you look back at your life, you see God's hand on things. And you see God putting putting things together that he's using you right now for something in the future. And these relationships you got you got going right now, there's something at work. Um, which is amazing. And so for for Keon and Stephanie and I and uh, my wife Amy to all get connected um, is just amazing because it's just really been uh, a blessing to to be part of a church that and as I talked earlier about helping or one of the themes of my life is God helping me see and I think you know, it, for me this church has helped me see a lot and to open my mind and um, and really see others for what they're going through that it's not every everything similar like what I'm going through is not the same and even back when I was in college of seeing other people and treating them with love and kindness how that is how you can really see somebody based on that reaction um, and so I'm grateful to, to be part of uh, this church and this community to join in what God is doing, and I love uh, love how God is is helping us see more and more of ways that we can do His work here in this community. So, if uh, join me in prayer. Loving God, I thank you so much for our time together this morning, and Lord, for for your hand on on this community on this church. Uh, we just ask you, Lord, to continue to guide us and to help us see, Lord, what you are calling us to see, to see as you would see us, Lord. As you would help us, Lord, see ourselves as you see us and help us to see others as you see them as well, Lord. And I just thank you for, for this time and, Lord, the, the love and the grace that you pour on each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is LD, Wellington Heights Community Church Worship Arts and Tech Coordinator, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to turn on your notifications so you can be one of the first to listen to future episodes. Also, be sure to hit that like button and share this podcast and feel free to leave a comment or two as we would love to hear from you. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram or visit our website to stay updated with what is going on in the community. As you know, we are reliant upon the benevolent gifts of donors just like you to continue ministry in an urban setting. So if you are compelled to give, please give at donorbox.org backslash WHCC. Or you can visit our website, wellingtonheightscommunitychurch.org and hit that donate button. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. Have a blessed day.